Welcome to Unboxing E-Commerce. I'm James Marks, a serial entrepreneur who built an e-commerce fulfillment service called Whiplash. I've been investigating business mysteries since I launched my first business when I was 17. I'm Jennifer Yates, a business operations leader, creator, and connector. We use our combined expertise and curiosity to understand the process behind the package. Each episode, we order from your favorite brands and reverse engineer their operations stack. We learn what tools they're using and why, so you can run your business like the pros. We start exactly where you would start, shopping. After our packages arrive, we'll rate the unboxing, review their packing materials, and their shipping methods. Then, we get into the relationship between the shopping cart, branding, warehouse location, delivery speed, and the other multitude of factors that drive customer experience and your bottom line. Jennifer, are you ready to unbox e-commerce? I'm ready. Let's get to that box. Hey, James. We're back. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I think I'm on the downhill slope of a big, giant, frazzled roller coaster. Yeah. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm also experiencing some stress, like positive life stress. And uh, no, I'm great. I feel like I'm in the game and, you know, doing the work. Good. So I want to give you like a little update of like my life since we last talked. And I would love to hear it. I heard through some spoilers that you have some really juicy topics. <laughs> I don't know if they're juicy. It does include the word mystery. I want to talk about a mystery that was relayed to me about the mattress factory in Pittsburgh. I don't know if it's a hair razor, but it certainly caught my attention. Oh my God, I can't wait. You capital know I M, love it. Yeah. Capital M mystery. Why in the world is this happening? I love it. My update is I realized that in the past six weeks or so, mm-hmm. I have changed accommodations seven times. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are you saying so you've lived in seven different places in six weeks? Is that... Pretty much. Wow. So some of it was due to power outages. Okay. Vacation. (laughs) Back home. Power outages again. (laughs) So, you know, relocating to a house that had power. That happened twice in like just a few weeks time period. And then I just got back from house sitting Mm -hmm. and dog sitting for my sister. Six dogs, James. I was babysitting. That's a lot of dogs. I think I max out at like one and a half dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And every one of them is special needs. Okay. So there were two puppies who don't know how to ask to go out yet. So that is its own level of need. Three of the six are on morning and evening medication involving both pills that you cannot use pill pockets for. You have to shove down throats, injections. Like it was insanity. Oh, man. I feel like I would need to be licensed to watch these dogs overnight. Oh, my God. So I will say once I got my like system down and I did have a system, I have an SOP and a task management chart. (laughs) Once that was in place, it was, I won't say peaches and cream, but it was a lot simpler and a lot less stressful. 
I mean, that's the beauty of a good process. I know you can appreciate that, Jennifer. The, a good process reduces stress, it increases satisfaction at work, and it makes the work more manageable. I'm so glad we agree on that. I see some kind of video or something coming out of this because I took pictures of the SOP in my checklist. Uh-huh. You know, all these dogs and their various medications, morning and evening, you know, but that well, if you was don't, my life. If you don't have that, then it's just like so stressful trying to hold all those details in your head. And so to personally, the minute that I understood that I was very bad at things generally, and I'm not trying to be self-deprecatory, maybe there's some Midwest self-deprecation, sure. But once I understood that, I started making systems. And once I stopped trying to remember things and use checklists instead, everything started going a lot better. So my my personal opinion is that everyone, just humans, are fallible and make dumb mistakes all the time. But the ones who admit that and know that have a higher success rate. All the time. And one of the dogs, her medications, if ingested by another dog, would kill Uh, the other dog. So no pressure, but I drew little skull and crossbones by those medications. It was like the red flag, the urgent, the blocking or whatever, because everything was hand written on paper. But yeah, that was my life. I'm so glad to be home. I bet. I'm glad to see (laughs) you. We're back to normal. So that's my life update. What about you? So nothing nearly as dramatic or gross as that. Maybe as close as that. So the first thing that this reminds me of, as long as we're talking about slightly medical things and pills and throats and things, I learned something fascinating about the phrase, blood is thicker than water. Oh, you are speaking my love language. You know I love medical stuff. So I don't know if it's super medical, but I think what I heard the full quote, I mean, so I've always, I mean, maybe tell me what you've thought that this means, because I think it's a pretty commonly understood meaning that I learned is not necessarily true. But what, what do you think it means? That family ties are more close and important than others. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. yeah. That's the way I've always understood it. Yeah. So let me, let me, <laughs> this is, you're ready for the mind blowing part. Let me give you the full quote. The blood of the covenant, i.e. brotherhood or joined entity, is thicker than the water of the womb. Whoa. It's completely opposite. And, it's, and, and like people have theorized that it's the blood of the covenant or the blood spilled in war, like somebody who you've shared an experience with in literal battle or in our beautiful lives, metaphorical battle is more important than the family you're born into. Wow, that is insane. I would have never, <laughs> ever guessed that. Tell me about the mattress factory. I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to tell it. So this is relayed third hand. But what I was told is the mattress factory, which is a art museum in Pittsburgh, that they've had a sticker. Like if you buy a membership, you get a sticker for the day. And that as people would leave, there's a telephone pole of some kind where you put the sticker on it. And so this telephone pole had just collected like a wall of these the mattress factory stickers over time. And it's a little bit of a tradition. Mm-hmm. So what I heard is they switched away from the sticker to a little metal pin. 
Now, the part that gets interesting yeah. is that they went to the poll. This is somebody who goes to the works at the mattress factory. They see this every day. They went to the poll. All of the old stickers were white. Whoa. They were no longer mattress factory stickers on the poll. They were all white. So like painted over or what? It's as if they had never been printed at all. Oh my God, really? <laughs> this is, but were they good. still in yeah, unchanged, format? Like, unchanged otherwise. No. It had not been tampered with, obviously. <laughs> I, like, I don't even know what to say. This is like, this is unexplainable. So the question is, why would changing it to a new type of, you know, paid marker mm-hmm. change the old stickers on the pole? I have a theory. Do you? It's only a theory. And there's no way I know of to test it, but I do have a theory. Um, I want to hear your theory. I don't feel intelligent enough to have a theory that doesn't involve aliens or, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Uh, revisionist history that uh, yeah, like yeah. Were like some sort of like string theory or like spooky action at a distance, right? Where it, right, right. The universe right. is undone and had to rewrite uh, yeah, itself exactly. like Back to the Future. A butterfly uh, flapped and yeah, you know, exactly. it was like before the stickers even existed. <laughs> Time travel is real. This is my takeaway. And we have disturbed the timelines. No, I have something that is so much more mundane than that. I want to know. So there are paper labels not designed for outdoor use, right? It's designed, it's like a cheap yeah. sticker that mm-hmm. you're going to put on your shirt. It's supposed to last like a day. My theory is that those don't have great UV protection, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a bumper sticker or something that's expected to be in the sun for a long time. So right. I think that they were naturally bleaching out at all times. Mm-hmm. And turning white for the last however long they were using these stickers, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And maybe they last a couple of weeks, but you never know that because there's always new visitors putting in a fresh sticker on top of the old ones. So even if a lot of the old ones have been bleached out, you don't really see those. Your eye just kind of glances off them. You're, you go to the new ones on top. Brilliant. And then they changed. And then so the changed. top ones had time to fade. And for the first time ever... The top ones, everything is now falling into the UV fade cycle. Wow. And I, I was told that it was overnight that this happened. We talked about humans being fallible. I think it seemed overnight. Yes. I don't mean to disparage this person and their experiences. I'm always looking for like, how did the person have an honest, real, perceived experience? And then what was like the thing that made that unintuitive, right? And so in this case, it seemed overnight. And it's like, well, you know, if you've seen the basket, the video of like the people playing basketball and a gorilla walks through and you can't see it because you're not looking for it. I feel like it's kind of explained by some of those just failures of observation that our brains are just, we think they're so much better than they are. Yeah. That theory sounds really plausible to me with the UV and the fading I think it helps yeah. that I ran a print shop and printed stickers. I think, I think it does too. I think it probably gives me an insider edge. Yeah, you know, this is like an area of expertise. That's it. That's the mattress factory sticker mystery. I love it. Okay. <laughs> well, it wasn't as quote unquote true crime as I thought it would be, but it was still interesting. I hope we get a true crime. I want a true crime version of that where it goes deeper 
unfortunately make like so many things that turn out to be pretty mundane. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we could have like an unboxing e-com true crime episode with yeah. all of the, the things we're collecting that, yeah. you know, of uh, <laughs> e-com gone wrong. <laughs> so far, well, let's get into our episode because right now okay. I'm collecting material for e-com gone right. Everything is like... Oh, <laughs> well, this is great. Okay. So we chose to order this time from a company called Stance. And James, as always, you chose the company because you're really good at this. <laughs> and I want to know why. Why did you choose Stance? And after you tell us, I'll kind of go through a little bit of history on them. And then we'll get into it. So Stance caught my eye. I felt like they exploded out of nowhere in maybe 2017. And then somebody else commented on this well as well, where they were in every bookstore, art supply store, skate shop, clothing store, grocery store. They're selling Stance socks and it happened seemingly overnight. And so I always think it's interesting when somebody comes out of nowhere like that. What I've learned is that it's like the visible effort on a much longer timeline. And so overnight to us, the consumer is like, you know, year eight in the brand. And so I was curious to see if that was borne out at all, because I don't know the history. So that's part of it. The other part is that it's a lightweight product that's going to ship really affordably. And then they put a lot of design and like got a premium pricing out of that. And it just struck me that these are people who know what they're doing. I want to see how they operate the rest of their business, because unless that was luck, it means they're making clever decisions to build a good thing. And then lastly, so I was already going towards this. When I was looking at their site trying to decide, um, I saw they had featured Nora Vasconcellos, who's a skater I follow on Instagram and just puts so much positive energy back into the world and is a great role model for young women getting into skateboarding, which has historically been not as supportive as I might like. It's just a no-brainer. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the history. And just like the overnight observation here, there is <laughs> maybe not so overnight. Yeah. And also there's another tie-in to us with unboxing because guess who is one of their ambassadors? Who? Riri. Oh, that's crazy. I <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just falling for it. I'm just like ingesting the, what the brand is laying down. I'm just like yeah. in, in the trend. Okay. You that's are. fantastic. So I think you're going to be pleased and excited to know that Stance actually started in 2009. So you want to talk about that long game. Yes. And it started as an internet only brand okay. with the goal of making socks more artistic and creative and imaginative, like all of those things that would draw you and me into a brand. Yeah, I didn't feel represented by a sock brand prior to <laughs> this. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I knew I was missing it, but I, it is true. It is true. I love socks. I love them. And I did not feel represented, I guess. So what they did was they kind of treated their socks like a canvas an artist canvas and they opened, you know, the socks up to artists and designers and even athletes to act as a vehicle for self-expression, 
for both the designer and artist and the wearer, you know, the person putting the socks on. Well, and I think that does a really interesting thing as well, because in, in expressing that, they seem very specific about having influencers do the design and it's like a part of like the flywheel, right? Where you've got a, an influencer making art, expanding the brand. Exactly. So you noticed and I noticed, you have noticed, this is my first interaction with Stance. I noticed that the designs are really colorful and lively. Like you talked about that positive influence yeah. on people and on people who may have been underrepresented in an area before. So I love that, the colorful and the kind of sassy and out there. And they're also designed with a priority on fit and function and comfort. And the brand itself promotes happiness and freedom and just kind of all around good vibes. Yeah, it, so, seems, it seems really well done. Yeah, it is. So that's kind of like, I guess, the beginning history. Yeah. They have expanded their offerings and that kind of ethos of self-expression to clothing beyond socks. So they have innerwear, which I love that name, and activewear. Innerwear. Innerwear. Is that instead of, are we trying not to say underwear? That's how I interpret it. Innerwear, like it's on the inside, I guess. Yeah, and I guess it's maybe it's like psychologically innerwear. It's like the safe inner self, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've also expanded locations to outside of the United States. It's available in 40 countries. And to your point, so I said that they started as an internet-only business. They now are expanded into retail as well. I feel like it was done with a certain amount of intention and coordination that they had a good business running and then in a very organized fashion came into the retail market. And maybe they had already done like the product testing and things like that so that it hit and it worked when it landed. I bet they did. So the company today is over 100 employees. They're listed as a Series D with a total funding of just over $130 million over seven rounds. I could not find any current revenue numbers. They're not publicly yeah. traded. Yeah. And what I love, because I'm all about like, how do the people who work yeah. there feel? They have a really unique culture of free thinkers who are sometimes called quote unquote punks or even <laughs> poets. And they bring that up on their website. Ultimately, and this is my phrasing, they're upenders of the status quo mm -hmm. and are comfortably off the beaten path, mm -hmm. kind of forging their own way. Interesting. So, yeah, I Interesting. was excited to order from them and, you know, to see what they're all about. Yeah. I didn't know they were venture backed. That explains some of the cash that I've seen behind like their operations. I'm a little worried about them. Like a series, I think you said D, and they've yeah. raised 130 million. That's a lot of expectations. Obviously, they've done well, but have they done well enough to justify that? I'd have to go back and look at my sources, which I think I'd shut down that window with all the tabs open. But I feel like their last funding was back in 2016. So it's been a while. 
Which is maybe good, right? That they are hitting some sort of... I mean, obviously, there's volume to it flowing to the business, and uh, maybe they aren't growing as aggressively, but also not shutting down. Yeah. And I also saw, too, on the employee count, as of December of 2022, and we're recording this in 2023, they had like a hundred and maybe 70 something employees. And now it's down to 111 after about 60 were reduced somehow. I don't know if they were reduced or or just attrition. Yeah. Attrition. That makes sense. I mean, we've seen that consistently. There was a huge e-commerce pull forward effect in 2020 with the pandemic. And then, you know, you can't keep growing at that pace. It's pulled forward and then, you know, it's flat or down. Yeah. So that's all about stance. Well, that's great. So we ordered. We ordered. We ordered something. (laughs) I wasn't sure if we were going to pretend like we were ordering right now. (laughs) Oh, I think we can just talk about what we ordered. Let's just tell the truth. It's easier to remember. It is easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Um, That's my driving ethos in life. Like maybe it's like morally correct to tell the truth. I just don't have the sophistication or like processing power to say anything other than the truth. I can't keep my story straight in any other way. Oh my God, James, we are alike in the way. <laughs> like there is an ongoing joke in my family that I cannot lie. And part of it is that kind of rule follower mentality yeah. I have. But the other part is I'm not interested in keeping track of all those no. alternate facts and f- no. stories. I would like, have to keep notes, which is just evidence. Yes. It's going to come back against me, right? We that's talked about right. how I need a checklist. Like, there's no way that's not going to backfire on me. Yeah. So let's just stick okay. to so the Okay. We, so we ordered a while ago. We ordered a while ago. And James, you chose the company. You allow me to choose what we're going to order. Yeah. Oh, what did, my what did God. We order? <laughs> yeah. And I have an update speaking on orders. Okay. Um, so sorry. We can insert it here. I can do it at the end or whatever. I do want to hear this update on orders. And I want to put a teaser in to keep folks listening. So tell me at the end, what is this update on orders? Okay. Uh, It is. I emailed Fenty customer service about the, you know, the lipstick getting the refill only. The fill versus the whole thing. And it feels, was it a little bit duplicitous? Yeah. So they responded. So I'll update about that. We're not here to review products, but oh my God, I have an opinion about (laughs) both the lipstick and the mascara. I'll tell you what happened when I tried to return mine also, which maybe gives the story away, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. So we'll have a follow-up at the very end. Yeah. Stay tuned to the the end for the the Fenty update. So, okay. I chose what we ordered and I chose to order a three-pack of performance tab socks. So these tab socks are kind of the little footies that you would wear inside a tennis shoe or some athletic shoe or just a sock that you don't want really showing outside mm-hmm. of your shoe very much. I think they're called tabs because the near the heel, there's a little tab. Right, you got a little pull, pull it tab, on. sure. A little pull tab. And so I didn't want to just order one pair of socks. Hmm. And I wanted to make life easy because you always ordered the same thing. So I just ordered a three-pack and I picked colors that I would wear with the idea that so far we've placed orders and I've shipped back 
one, kept one, and I was thinking maybe I would keep this. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what the odds are. It's a high return rate. Which I yeah. think it's just fascinating. We can go, like, I, I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, what is a normal return rate? And is a good return rate a good thing or a bad thing? It reminds me a little bit, not to go too much on a rabbit hole here, but immediately I think that a higher return rate is bad. Maybe that's not true. Maybe you're returning things because you're engaged with the brand and you want to make it work. You know, they talk about that in marriage counseling. If you're fighting, that's actually a good sign. I mean, not a great sign, but like you're, you're invested in the relationship, right? That when you stop fighting, that's like, you know, a warning sign that you've just like given up, right? So maybe you're returning yeah. things means you're, you still do want it to work with this brand. Well, it kind of reminds me, there is something to that. Like, I guess the opposite of love, or if you want to speak about the opposite of engagement is apathy. Yeah. So when you're just kind of like, eh. Yeah. You know, who cares? Yeah. So maybe you are returning because you're engaged and you want to make it work and you want to exchange for something better. Yeah. Yeah. So we ordered this three pack of socks. I was in a different location as we just discussed, babysitting those dogs. For the dogs. So I was in Pennsylvania as opposed to Michigan. Yeah. We synchronized this. We ordered on... July 31st, which is a Monday. And then I've got our tracking numbers pulled up here. And so mine went to California and was delivered at, so mine shipped at 5.55 on the 31st, which I think is the next day. And then oh. yours shipped at 5.53. So I, I do love that we placed orders, like synchronized them at the same time. And then they actually synchronized together and went out pretty much at the same time. Do you feel so nerdy that we did it that I do? I love it. We synchronized. We had things in our calendar that said place order and yeah. then we slacked about it. And we already we already selected the items. So there's going to be no shopping hesitation, right? There's going to be no, like, we're going to place these orders. We pre-worked. Yeah. yeah. I like that because then we're, you know, controlling for some factors. I thought it was interesting. Here's a here's another one. The next they go to a packaging processed in this is at a UPS facility in Salt Lake City, and mine's oh, nine twenty five. So- Yours is nine twenty six. So they're still. <laughs> I like that it's not identical, right? This is not like a scan. They are all going through and like picking up an individual scan, but they are pretty close in the bin. Yeah, I'm looking at my tracking history too, so that I can follow what you're saying. So right now they're synchronized between order information received, the packages processed in Salt Lake City at the same time. What happens next? Yeah. So when they leave Salt Lake City, mine goes out at 1026. This is where they start to diverge. Yours is 937. So I think they're leaving that UPS facility on different trucks. So they kind of start, they do a few stages together. And then yours is going to Pittsburgh. Mine's going to California. And so they're coming out of Utah, which is relatively central. I think this is so fun that they diverge at that point to begin their journeys. Yeah, Um, this is cool. And then yours goes for a couple of days, making its way through New Jersey, Pennsylvania. When you look at this tracking, there's an interesting switch here that happens when they arrive after Salt Lake City. Mine goes to San Leandro. Yours goes to Bridgeport, New Jersey. Did you do you see it? Maybe it what? switches shipping providers. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It okay. Switches. It's a UPS package. And then it's a USPS package. Yes, I do see that. 
But you've talked about these relationships before that some of those big kind of overnight two day, three day carriers have a relationship with USPS. Yeah. So basically UPS is doing part of it. USPS is doing looks like basically the second half of it. Or we'd have to go by miles, but they're doing a large portion of it. There's almost half and half. This is the UPS Mail Innovations, which if you look on your package, that's what it says on the on the label itself. And so that is that co-op between UPS and USPS. Nice. Yeah, I do see that. And then I see below that on the label on the package that it then switches to USPS tracking with yeah. the barcode. Yeah, exactly. It's really a USPS package. When UPS is handling it, they're handling it in aggregate and saying, okay, here's a bunch of USPS mail that we're going to get one or two nodes closer to its destination. And maybe that is because like, that's the long distance travel from Salt Lake to either East Coast or West Coast. Right. Yeah, UPS is good at those long hauls and they're running those trucks already. And USPS is famously good at every, they have to touch every doorknob every day. And so that's where UPS is harder for them to make a margin on it because they don't have to go there anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, UPS mail innovations. Also, all of that took kind of a while. Like if you see, it was Monday we placed the orders, it was Saturday that they were delivered. So, and thank goodness because. Monday in Pennsylvania and a lot of locations on the East Coast, that Monday, tornadoes, storms, trees down, power outages. If we didn't get it Saturday, I don't know if I would have gotten (laughs) it. Someone wouldn't have been there to to receive it. I think it's interesting that it was actually very consistent that whether you went to the East Coast or the West Coast, at least to the cities that we chose, it delivered on the Saturday at basically the same time so far away. Also, the geographer in me is thinking about the origination point being, quote unquote, centrally located in, I would have to do a calculation area wise, but it's just really interesting to think about that. The packages departed Salt Lake City. They were going to each coast. We received them on the same day. They departed on the same day and were transported through this known long distance carrier with a good system and a good network. And I have to believe that part of that is because of the central location, like it is centrality is important. Obviously, if the sort facility was next to me and it had to go all the way to you, and this is where knowing who your customer is and what their expectations are, I think really matters. Like, so we're ordering socks and we picked the free shipping. And so, yeah, six days is kind of fine. Like, I don't need it a lot faster than that, right? And I could upgrade the shipping if I wanted to. But Mm -hmm. if it was something else that I tended to need, if it's like, I'm not going to do an example. If it's something else that I need faster, then you might have two facilities and it would be, you know, because if put it in both of our backyard and, and split the inventory, then I think what we might be seeing here is that for this brand, for this customer profile, it just doesn't matter. And so putting it central and getting that cheap, lower priority travel is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. I love it. So is there any more about the shipping and transport we should talk well, about? Not the shipping specifically. I did collect some notes um, when we went through and made the purchases. I can tell you that they are using demandware, which is one we've seen almost consistently for this size company. 
Demandware was founded in 2004 on the East Coast, and they were acquired by Salesforce in 2016 for $2.8 billion. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So Salesforce is... So now, if, if, even if you Google Demandware, you, you have a hard time finding results because it's been renamed as Salesforce Commerce Cloud. It does look like they continue to operate it as an independent entity and that they just renamed that entity under the Salesforce brand. But... That's three of for three of our episodes we've done for companies this scale are choosing that path, which that's surprising to me. Wow. Okay. I can see they're also using something called Exponia, which is customer data and experience platform for marketing automation. They were acquired by Bloomreach in 2021 and after being founded in 2015. You can see they're using Clavio, which seems like everybody's using Clavio. They're using Border Free for cross-border for international shipments, which I know we're yeah. talking about how great UPS mail innovations just worked for us. We used to use it for international, and I want to apologize to everyone who has had to deal with that. That's um, basically the loss rate on international for UPS mail innovations is not great. It's cheap for a reason. And then also Power Reviews. I thought Power Reviews was interesting that you maximize conversions by creating the best ratings and reviews program. They're used by North Face, Skippy Peanut Butter, Ugg, Cliff, Lush, a lot of the big brands. Mm. And then lastly, this is the one that really caught my eye. They're using something called Mountain, and they call themselves the hardest working software in television. And so this is attribution based on TV ads. And so it allows you to measure when a viewer sees your ad on TV and then takes actions afterwards and doing that attribution across platforms. Wow. So that is akin to me, kind of like having a pixel on something digital that then tracks you know, right. what happens to the user after, but this is... There's no pixel. <laughs> there's no pixel. They just know when the that's, thing is on TV. That's my guess is that they would have to, they know when and where the ads are being delivered. And mm -hmm. then let's say they know an ad just played in Kansas City at 8.53 p.m. And then suddenly you're seeing traffic from Kansas City at 8.53 p.m. It seems highly likely that those are related, right? Yes. Well, you don't know this about me, but I used to be first job out of college. I was a media buyer oh. at an ad agency. Okay placing television ads. Okay. And at the end, you get a report of the exact date and time your ad ran. And yeah. I know, you know, life in media is so different today than back then. But I would imagine if a company is purchasing time yeah. on any platform like that, they would get a report of yeah. when they're... Right. When they're and so you need something to pull that down. Mm -hmm. It's one mm -hmm. thing to say, oh, yeah, you could. And it's another thing to like say, yeah, we did it. And here, click this one button. And Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Slightly off topic. I have not seen as many QR codes in TV commercials as I expect. Oh. I've seen it like once or twice. It just seems like every commercial should have a QR code that I'm sitting on my couch. Don't want to be seeing an ad, but I am. And in the unlikely scenario that it's something I care about, it just seems like so effortless. I point my phone at the TV and make that jump to my device. Yeah. I don't know why the people aren't doing that. I feel like QR codes, <laughs> it's probably a topic for a whole different episode, <laughs> but I feel like they've like, they had a life 
they fizzled, then they reemerged. Yeah. And now it's crazy. Now it's crazy. Like everything. Yeah. Yeah. It is another one of those eight year arcs. It's, it's probably much longer than that. But I do. I remember when they were like, it's going to be everywhere. And then like nobody ever scanned them. So people stopped making them. And then now I, th- I think it was like a pandemic thing and like contact lists. And finally, mm-hmm. I think enough of us learned how to scan the damn things. I think that yeah. was just like what was missing before. It's like, yeah, I, I do something with my phone, but I, maybe I don't have a habit built up around it yet. And now yeah. it's like just next, it's thoughtless. You just grab it. Exactly. And because I'm like 250 years old, I only just learned like last year <laughs> yeah. how to scan a QR code. <laughs> That's funny. You should say your age. That is exactly how I describe my age. I, I think of my wife and I, I'm like, I think we must be like vampires. Yeah, I think I'm like 250, 270. It's just, uh, it's endless. So we ordered. Yeah, so we We, ordered. They arrived. They arrived. We know what's happening behind the scenes. Demandware, Mountain, which is super fascinating. And then Borderless and the other one. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. You can can scroll back if you need to hear them. All right, let's open our packages. Nice little poly bag here. Yeah. Well, it was a nice little poly bag. Now I just destroyed it. Yeah, it was a poly bag. No extra container really on the socks. No. They're just socks. They're held together with a cardboard holder together thing. Mm-hmm. There is a little bit of plastic here for like to hang mm-hmm. the three pack on a some kind of display in a store. Yeah. But that's it. No plastic around the socks themselves. We got all three pairs. I'm this is excited. A great yeah. Yeah. I'm liking it. And, you know, we don't review the product, but they feel good. It feels pro. It feels good. It feels pro. I will say the packing slip, mm-hmm. bare bones. It's pretty bare not, bones. <laughs> there's not a lot going on here. There is not. So tell me, what do I you mean, see? <laughs> I don't see a lot. Yeah. There's not a lot. It is bare. It is bare. So one thing that I kind of, I saw on the outside of the package, um, we got the address. It's the same as the return package. You know, it's the 6935 West 2100 in West Valley City. If you Google that address, you get a little bit of interesting facts. There's two business results come up for that. One of which is NLinks and the other is Whiplash, who I, I have a connection to. I have never worked on this account in my time at Whiplash, so I felt comfortable because I, I don't know anything to reveal. But I did learn that Whiplash acquired NLinks in 2021. Oh, so really? It really does look like this came from a Whiplash facility. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I will explain to the listener this packing slip. Basically, at the top, you know, there's the stance logo, the order number, the pick number, the shipment date, the ship to address, the item and item code, and then just how to return. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. a blank page. It's almost a blank page, which is, you know, it's got some barcodes down here that probably contain the order number, but no information on picking or packing or any of the stuff that we often see on these. Well, there's a pick number underneath order number oh, yeah. do you yeah but it's the same as the order number oh it sure is okay 
Yeah. So not a ton of information there. Not a lot to it. I'd be curious to see what else is happening on the physical side, if they've got more things that they're keeping track of that don't make it a, its way into the uh, parcel. But I see they've got a 60-day return policy, which would have been not to go back to Fenty prematurely, but Fenty's is 30. And I tried to re- return mine on day 31. Oh, no. Is that your story? That's my story. Oh. It was so sad. So is anyone using the lipstick? Uh, we had a friend over who thought maybe they had a friend who would get some benefit out of it. So it's out into the world. They said they didn't want it. And then I said I was going to throw it away and they changed their mind. So okay. it's having a life somewhere. I don't know. Well, that's good. My Fenty update. So I thought I was going to call customer service, but by the time I got around to it, it was a Sunday and customer service was closed. So I just entered something in the chat, which turned into an email. Mm -hmm. And this is what I said. I ordered a refillable lipstick for the first time. However, what I received was the refill, not the full lipstick. It wasn't clear on the website of how or where to order the full lipstick with the outer container plus the refill. Can someone guide me to where this is? And for feedback purposes, it would help if it was much clearer on the website that if it's your first time ordering the lipstick, you should get both the container and the refill. Thank you. Yeah. So they responded a much longer response than my initial request. So I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. But they said, I understand the concern you raised. The information about the refill and the case being sold separately should have been more prominent on the website to avoid misunderstanding. And then they directed me to where the outer case is. They gave me a link and then directions of how to assemble it, blah, 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 blah. And then they said, we appreciate your valuable feedback. We'll take it into account to improve the clarity of our product information on the website, blah, blah, blah. So I'm waiting for the part where they're like, and here's 15% off your next order. No. Yeah. So basically, basically it was just like, thanks. We'll make it better. And you're right. Yeah. I feel like that was designed breakage a little bit. I think they're trying to not sell you a $40 lipstick. They're trying to sell you a $20 lipstick twice in two pieces. Yes. So that is my first Fenty update. The second is I have been using that mascara. You did not order the mascara. Mm -hmm. I ordered the lipstick, which we both ordered, plus mascara because I am a mascara fiend. I love it. I love trying new ones. And I have to say, this is now my new favorite. You you like it. It's a good mascara. I love it. Okay. Love it, love it, love it. So I'm not here to promote it. I'm just saying my personal experience and my eyelashes and the way my eyelashes respond to mascara is really, Mm -hmm. it's a positive. I love it. Well, that's great. We got a a happy ending there. Yeah. (laughs) One. (laughs) (laughs) One. But I've been using the lipstick too. The refill works, but it was kind of like rah, 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 yeah. on the, the little outer case, you know, yeah. debacle. Yeah, yeah. And me, I wonder if it's because we came at it from the side, like maybe if we were like deeper into the brand. Like personally, I, I went very quickly. I'm trying to, well, I wasn't an authentic purchaser. And so mm-hmm. maybe if I'd been buying into the marketing all along and I, I would have 
you know that. Yeah. If you would have been more literal in your purchasing. Yes, exactly. To go back to stance here, I'm noticing something. I have, oh, I thought we were done. Well, no, I, I mean, I think we were. But then as I was just kind of, I happened to notice because these socks, I have these women's socks in a size that doesn't fit me. I was going to go ahead and return them. And it is a 60 days return policy, which is very generous. But you have to mail the package yourself to the return center, which... Oh, these days it's, you know, you're supposed to get a label. It's pretty common to do that. And also you can't do an exchange, which I happen to know really is valuable. They're a little bit hard programs to implement, but if you can, you get a lot of repeat business out of it. Yeah. Kind of a NEMA oh. return policy here. Yeah. So now what are you going to do about it? Oh boy. Because it has now become a little bit of a thorn. I don't really want to buy a postage label. Their evil plan might work. I know. But you've got people in your family that could probably wear these if you don't want to. I can't wait. My f- yeah. I think my feet need these. I think I might give them to my daughter. They might be a little small for her. But I think it's worth a try. Yeah. What size? Well, so maybe that's their, their um, anemic return policy is working perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. If they're uh-huh. trying to get me to shut down and not engage, then it's yeah. working. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that wraps up another episode of Unboxing E-Commerce. Yeah, we did it. We did do it. So we got to the box. <laughs> yeah, we got to the box. In this case, it was a, a poly bag that now looks like it was torn open by animal from the Muppets. But we did get to it. All right. Well, I will see you later. Then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Great to see you as always. All right. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks for listening. James's latest company is called Trivial. They are building a data platform for online businesses to quickly see the metrics that make a difference. And Jennifer's business, Roo, that's R-O-U-X, provides the operating structure for growing businesses so they can move from fires to flow. If you have an unboxing experience you'd like us to evaluate, you can find us on LinkedIn. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Unboxing E-Commerce wherever you get your podcasts. Bye-bye.